Hello and welcome to The Aftertime, an NBA and gambling podcast hosted by two professional gambling brothers. I'm your host, Ronan McGarry, joined by my brother Ryan, who is finally back from holiday. Hola, que tal? How was Spain? Yeah, it was good. I know the, the two-week break after the third episode was not ideal, so apologies for that, but uh, had to had to take myself off and get a bit of sun after that grim winter. Yeah, I got a few DMs asking had the podcast come to an abrupt end, or yeah. were we going to continue, or I was getting, are we still gambling? I was getting some compliments from some mates in Spain, and, and then I just re- I realised, he was like, well, no, I don't have an episode to listen to because you're here, and I was like, oh, we could do one, he goes, I don't have a clue about basketball. I was going to do a solo episode, but I don't know if I'm there yet. Ah, yeah. You'll get there. I, I like our banter back and forth yeah yeah um, but yeah make each other better yeah of course and no I've well rested recuperated and ready to talk some NBA did you watch much NBA when you were away I caught some highlights on <clears throat> I caught some highlights on the train from Barcelona to Valencia and got some podcasts in and stuff so yeah I kept I kept up to date with you know injury news and stuff like that so yeah yeah well why don't you tell the listeners a bit about your holiday where were you Oh yeah, in Barcelona for stag do, managed to make it to Espanyol Getafe game, which was good crack, but I, me being big balls professional gambler and thinking I knew better, one of the lads had done his own research into the match and he discovered this referee was pretty keen for cards, so the tip for the whole stag do the whole week was uh, overs cards, overs cards, and the line was six, and I was like, six is ridiculous, that's a high line for... uh, Notice I haven't bet on football oil. So uh, the day of the match, we turned up and a couple of us had a few too many beers, and we were like, "Now nah, we'll be contrarian." Cards, is right. on a Saturday. It's too warm. No one's going to be interested this match. So we bet under three point five, and there was seven cards in the first half and eleven <laughs> at the end of the game. So yeah, the, I'm going to stick to the NBA. So the ref must have had a reputation, did he? Yeah, and I was getting grief for them. Like, I professional gambler, are you? Yeah. So. Okay, so yeah, enough about my trip to Spain. We'll we'll talk some NBA. So obviously I've been away two weeks, so there's been a lot that's gone on in the league, a lot that's gone on in the betting market. So there's been some big odds movements in the awards and there's been, you know, some injuries, some key injuries, some actually really important injuries in both conferences. So what we were thinking is for this week, we'll break it down by conference. We'll talk the East. We'll talk a couple of different teams that are catching our eye and that we have talked about in previous weeks, but, you know, things have changed. We'll talk Western Conference and then we'll kind of wrap up with the awards again because specifically two of the awards have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of movement in the odds and a lot of movement in the narratives too. So we'll talk about that and we'll finish up with uh, the big one, one of our one of our favourite uh, gambling stories. This is a story that I haven't got to tell yet. Only the, the inner circle know this story. You actually weren't allowed to tell. I wasn't, was I? No, and well, until a certain point. Okay, well, yeah, technically. Yeah. This is all very mysterious, but it'll be revealed later when... I tell the story of a time I took a bookmaker to court and won. Yeah, it was great. So, uh, I, should I name them? Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, I it was Quiff. Yeah. Bastards. So, listen to the end, you'll hear this story. It might be a bit of a long one, but definitely one worth listening to, I think. Yeah, definitely worth it. But yeah, so we'll we'll jump in with the Eastern Conference, and we're going to kind of, we'll take a summary, we'll take a wee look at the standings in general. I mean, the Heat haven't moved, they're kind of continuing their run that they have been on. Well, they're going to finish with the one seed, I think. Yeah, I think that's pretty much locked up. I... Got very excited one night after our last podcast about the Heat coming first and I staked Spo to win Coach of the Year and I kind of regret it now because Monty's just such a bang on sir. I was hoping with Chris Paul's injury the Suns would fall off of it but they just haven't. Like they just keep trucking. They win every fucking game they play. They are are amazing. You know, I've liked them all year. But yeah, so a bit of waste of money on Spo Coach of the Year but you know, at the time I thought it was value as like the fifth. Well, it was a good bet with Chris Paul's injury. Yeah. I I don't think it was a bad bet. I, I thought 
do you know I was one of the people with the opinion that maybe Chris Paul was maybe well he is integral to the Suns but very integral to them but you know they just they just went from strength to strength but yeah so you got the Heat sitting uh, in the one seed at the minute the Bucks in the two seed the, the Bucks the Bucks have been streaking with the hard schedule yeah at last I seen they had like with the big three they've got like a 32 and 6 record or something yeah, post all-star game Chris Middleton actually looks like himself again finally so the Bucks we did I think you picked the Bucks outright yeah I'm, a couple I'm episodes ago feeling pretty happy about it I would be happy with that if I if, if I was on the Bucks I'd be very happy I'm yeah. not but I, I kind of wish I was again same thing couple of weeks left injuries are a disaster and they always can be but you know if you're going to pick anyone this is, this is the game right you have to pick someone so yeah happy with that yeah Let's look at the Sixers first. So the Sixers are one of the big stories in the East. The three biggest stories, I think, since the last episode are the Sixers, because we've seen a lot of James Harden and Joel Embiid playing together. Mm-hmm. The Cavaliers, because they've been fucked up the arse by injuries. Again, continually, Again. all Again. year. And the Boston Celtics, because they keep winning, and they have the best defence in the NBA now. Yeah, and I more and more, from the very first episode of one of my first hot takes I had, was that the Celtics were an easy out in the first round, and it's now looking like a... Very cold, cold take because they could fucking win the whole thing. To be fair, I did tip the Celtics as an outsider, so I'm mm, feeling quite quite smug about that. They do look like one of the best teams in the league. The big win against the Nets, Kevin Durant and Jim, Jason Tatum went toe-to-toe. Tatum looked every bit the superstar that some people have been calling him for a while. I wasn't there yet, 100%. But I think I'm there now. He, I think he looks every bit a two-way superstar, which we know in the playoffs is going to be a big thing. Especially because the Celtics don't really have much on-ball creation you know they, they still don't really have a creative guard which when you compare them to the likes of the Nets with Kyrie Irving or a little bit well James Harden at the Sixers the Cavs DG like, the PG Cavaliers yeah Darius Garland well he's he's our offensive engine you know the Celtics offense doesn't really come from guard playmaking guard playmaking play. guards yeah it's more so Tatum and Brown and Al Horford to a certain extent you know yeah. handling the ball so but this was, sorry, but this was the, this has been their issue for so long, right? Because it was like, they kept getting ball-dominant point guards instead of playmaking point guards, you know, like yeah. Kemba. I mean, Kyrie, he, he's a he scorer. He didn't want to be there. Yeah, and he's a scorer, like, you know. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, they, they seem to, something's clicked. Something has clicked. And, you know, the Time Lord move into centre, or into, not into centre, he's always put centre, but his sort of move into, like, the anchor, the defensive anchor. And, you know, Marcus Smart, their, uh, their defence is ridiculous. Yeah, well, they had a great win against the Warriors. I know Steph Curry got it. We're going to talk Steph Curry's injury later on, but I know Steph Curry got injured. I think he only played 12 minutes in that game, but they, they won the game by 20, and it was never really close. They pulled away quite early. Um, That was the first game uh, back with the, the Warriors' big three. Yeah, like, ridiculous. We'll, we'll, get on, we'll get on to that yeah. when we talk Steph Curry's injury. But in terms of Celtics, yeah, I think if anyone backed the Celtics when we tipped them, I think, two episodes ago, I think I'd be pretty happy with that. I wouldn't be wanting to trade that out or anything. I, would, I think that bet's got... Got a very good chance of... You think off. they're going to run the Sixers close then? Yeah, I don't see why not. They look every bit as good, as this, if not better, than the Sixers. I think... I haven't been overly impressed with the Sixers with Harden and Embiid. We both think the... the we, I think we feel the same way. Like, when they first came in, everyone was going... I mean, it is like a class pick-and-roll combo, but when you actually look at the results, and again, it's the same thing that's plagued the Sixers, is the it's the on-off. Do you know, when Embiid and Harden are on the floor, yeah, brilliant. But like their benches and like there's some other role players like Niang the other night like clanking fucking three and then going for a two near the buzzer beater when they needed three. Do you know like their ba- their benches let them down for years and Bede's benches always let them down. They added another star, but do you know they ran they got run close by the Knicks and then they had a couple of losses. Lost to the Nets, lost to the Nuggets at home, could have lost to the Cavs. 
the other a few nights ago the Cavs were up six points with three minutes left. You know, it was a close game. The refs were a bit fucking shite down the down the stretch, but you know the Cavs were in that game with missing Jared Allen too. Obviously, who's big when you're trying to defend Joel Embiid. Yeah. But yeah, it's the it's the Joel Embiid backup situation, which is the big problem for Philly. We saw it in 2019 in the series against the Raptors, Raptors with Kawhi. When Joel Embiid went off the court, I think it was Greg Monroe was his backup, yeah. and it was a disaster. So this year doesn't look any better, and I, that's my that would be my big worry. You have DeAndre Jordan backing up Joel Embiid, who should have been out of the league three years ago. Yeah, and the fact is that they have another couple of younger centers who, like you know, untested. They're not veterans or whatever, but like, oh, like it's not a positive to have DeAndre Jordan as your veteran. He's just like an old fucking bastard, and he can't do anything. Yeah, he's, like he's just collecting his check. Yeah, he's, he's mailed it in. And yeah, he's a he's a locker room guy, and everyone likes him. But that's not how he can't do anything for you in the playoffs. Yeah, plus the Sixers are unbearable to watch. Like, yeah, proper unbearable. The Watching, free throw kings, like I don't mind. Joel Embiid, I don't mind Embiid as much because he gets fouled more than he he does get hammered. Fouls. He gets hammered. Right? Like he's like Giannis, like he gets fouled more or less every time he touches the ball. He he gets fouled rather than looks for fouls. But James Harden looks for fouls. Like I, I was watching the Cavs play the Sixers on I think it was Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and James Harden caught the ball on a from a pass on the three point line and was wide open and didn't shoot the wide-open three-pointer. He let the defender come out to guard him so he could play this dribble through the legs a couple of times, try and draw a foul game. Yeah. And it's like, that's not fucking basketball. And it's so fucking boring. It's frustrating to watch. Like, and it has been. Like, he can be so good, but he can also just be like, tear your eyes out. Yeah, like, it, it is the least visually pleasing play style of any superstar. Like, I don't care about people who draw loads of fouls because they're good. He draws loads of fouls because he's looking to draw fouls and it is so fucking dull. Mm. Nothing to do with betting. You know, it's just as a someone who enjoys watching as a fan. basketball. As a fan, it is yeah. so fucking boring. But also, it actually sort of, when you think about uh, for betting, like, oh, like what, what could you draw from that? And what I sort of tend towards is the playoffs. And in the playoffs, you know, it's like, it would hold me back from maybe betting them outright or betting them the Eastern Conference. Like, while the two of them are maybe up there with the best, like, you know, combos in the league, the playoffs every year it happens. The refs call less fouls. You know they let things go a wee bit more. Things slow down. Like you know the while the pick and roll combo and the two brilliant isolation scorers are very good in the playoffs. They're not going to get as many free throws. Like and that's that's such a big part of their scoring. And even more certain than that, James Harden's got to choke in big games. <laughs> yeah, like small game has. James. Yeah, he always has. So I don't see why that. Well, we'll give him a chance to change this year. But the East as well, it it does look very stacked. Like. Whenever I try and think of my favourites for the East, I just gloss over the Miami Heat, even though they're the number one seed. I just look past them autom- automatically. And, it's you know, so maybe stacked. They, they've, they don't deserve that. Maybe they do deserve a bit of credit. Yeah, 100%. I mean, honestly, it's such a weird change for us from watching the NBA for a few years, the East actually being like this. It's never been like this. It's, you know, you normally, like, and even coming into the playoffs in the first round, you always have those teams in the first round that we're betting, like, minus 3.5 series handicaps, like, or betting on sweeps. And, like this year it's not going to be as well yeah we said we said this in a recent episode that the first round of the playoffs is re- usually really good for betting yeah it's usually know, great it has been great does. this year might be the first year in that I can remember where the 8 seed will be favoured over the 1 seed <laughs> in a in a first round matchup wild, if like. the Nets if the Nets come 8th yeah. which they could because Kyrie Irving's going to miss most of their games to the end of the season because of the vaccine mandate he's only playing what if like unless the, the van- mandate changes he's only miss- playing like 3 games I think he's only playing 3 more games and they've got something like 11 games left 12 yeah. games left and he's only going to play like maybe a quarter of them and without him they have looked off off pace and the most recent news about Simmons is his back now well yeah Simmons doesn't look like he's going to be back until the playoffs so they're mm. going to be without Kyrie without Simmons they're going to be without Simmons for the rest of it without Kyrie for most of it Seth Curry's been injured 
and potentially like load managing for KDA if they, they won't he does play a lot of minutes but like you know say he picks up a nigga like that's yeah fucking well they'll want to hold on to the, the number eight seed at the minute they avoid mm-hmm. having to play the second playing game yeah you know if they come eighth and they play the Cavs or the Raptors in seventh if they win that they're in the playoffs now yeah. if they play the Raptors Kyrie can't play in mm-hmm. in Toronto. Toronto yeah so they will be hoping that the Cavaliers come drop down to seventh so that's that's which is which is potentially which is which is totally possible given the Cavaliers injuries, yeah. But it's something to look at. It's the play-in. I don't think has ever been as interesting as this year uh, in the East. It, yeah, I mean, like I love it. I'm a big fan of the play-in, and like I'm just looking. So if if everything stays the way it is, and you got the Raptors Nets in seven eight, like you said, Kyrie can't play every chance. Do you know, I mean, I still favor the Nets in that. With, oh, with actually, you know I what? don't think so. Yeah, but, and like say, and then the winner of that plays the Bucks if they stay as a two seed. The winner of that plays the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, well, then, yeah, then number eight could beat the number one if it's the Heat. So this is what I, I was going to get onto. There could be a bit of tanking from the one or two seeds mm-hmm. to not end up in the two seed. So why would you want to be a two seed when you could potentially play the Nets in the first round when you could drop down to the three seed and be assured of playing the Cavs or the Raptors? Because it looks like the Nets aren't going to come. Yeah, and like the Nets can't come sixth. Let's be and honest. Like if you were to be honest, like and you ask me, like who you want to play, they're like, yeah, we don't yeah. want to play the Nets. But see, th- this is another problem I have with this is on paper, this all makes sense about teams tanking to avoid certain teams, and they never do. It. We've seen it happen before, where it was the Nuggets, as far as I remember, it was the Jazz. or the Jazz. The Jazz should have lost a game in the the last game of the season, a yeah. pointless game. They end up in an easy path, and they're the like, they went out and won. And ended up in the hardest route and got knocked out in the second round. Well, this is the thing, though. You're kind of coming up against like the the competitive ego of professional sports and you know players and also the staff. Because imagine, imagine you actually came out. Of, like, do you know what? Maybe down the future when people like don't give a fuck as much, they will just say, "Oh yeah, like 100 percent, we did that." But like, you know, they they're all like, "Nah, if you you have to beat what's put in front of you and all." It's like, well, you just got put out in the fucking second round. You could have went further if you you know yeah. the easy side of the racket. Well, like if I'm the Sixers GM and I know that if I come second there's every chance I'll play the Nets. But if I come third, I'll probably play the Raptors or the Cavs. Yeah. You're going to come third. Why yeah. the fuck would you want to try and come second? 100%. And especially as, as high as we've been on the Cavs, for example, like I I could see, I'd see the Sixers breezing past them in a... Oh my God, yeah. If you, could give the, if you could give any of the top teams a pick of who they want to play in the first round between Raptors, Cavs and Nets, mm. I think most of them pick the Cavs. Yeah, Cavs is the first Given pick. Given the youth and the injuries and the inexperience, and you know, yeah. it's quite obvious that it's an easy pick. And they're not deep. Yeah, they're not deep. You do not want to play the Nets. And the Raptors have the best coach out of the three, you know. Yeah. So it's it's quite neat. And job. everyone it just seems like everyone hates playing the Raptors there. Yeah. <laughs> they're a really annoying play, yeah. team to play. Plus getting in, in and out of Canada apparently is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It's there's a load of stupid immigration stuff, but none of the players like travelling to Canada because of that and it's just a nightmare. True. And finally, I mean we've kind of nearly mentioned every single team that's playoff bound in the East except for the Bulls. Are we thinking that they're just gonna kinda of fade away? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's the DeRozan story was a nice sort of heartwarming story for the year. Yeah, but. well, Patrick Williams is meant to be coming back. I know they drafted him quite high last year in fourth. They they, they rate him quite well, and you know they they're quite deep. they're playoff deep. So when yeah. we talk about playoffs, it's who's your best eight players. Yeah, eight the Bulls I think are playoff deep. It's just do they have enough top level talent? And even though DeRozan's top five in the MVP voting this year, I understand that because he's had a class season. When it comes down to it. When push comes to shove, I wouldn't bet them with my worst enemy's money in the playoffs. Mm. I don't think they have a hope. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, they just they look like they look like regular season stars, you know, which yeah. you see every year. It usually is the Jazz. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But this year, no, I don't. I was gonna say like the Hawks last year, though they made it to the conference finals. So. Yeah, yeah. Just quickly to touch on the Cavaliers, I know we've talked a lot about them because we, I think we tipped the 
division in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Now, when we tipped it, I think it was three to one, and it's now I think thirty to one because <laughs> they haven't got a fucking hope, and all their players keep getting injured. Don't listen to us; we have no clue we're doing. I have never been more fucked by the injury bug than I have this year. So, just as it is the after time, I will after time a few bets. We backed the Cavs to make the playoffs at seventeen to one. I think back in November. Yeah, that bet went ten to one on, and then the injury bug hit and the Cavs have had more injuries to the actual starting level players than any other team in the East I think and, this year and you get hit by that frustrating thing about uh, the, as a UK gambler too where like hedging, hedging out of that is so hard do you say Ireland? yeah, yeah okay UK bookmaker sorry <laughs> uh, gambler but they yeah it is it's hard, it's hard to hedge your bets when you can't cash out yeah yeah, you, yeah and that's not an option for like some of the sites we're using yeah so not only the Cavs as well I have another complaint to make about it the injury bug Draymond Green obviously defensive player of the year we have some 17 to 1 bets there 19 to 1 19 to 1 and he was odds on at Christmas and then of course the random back injury and he missed a calf back injury and then yeah. misses enough games and he's he's now he's he's the conductor of his own train trying to well at least he's trying to win the award himself yeah yeah. yeah. I mean better than us betting on Jam Morant most improved player and him coming out and saying I'm not the most improved player and you're like no Jam <laughs> yeah. you yeah, are vote, uh, vote for Dejounte Murray please no, but we'll talk to uh, def- uh, Draymond Green when we talk Defensive Player of the Year later yeah. but on to the West now we don't normally talk much about the West because you know I, I felt this season there was only ever three teams that could have come out of the West whereas the East is wide open and the, the 8th seed could win it this year it was always really Suns or Warriors and then maybe oh, could could the Grizzlies do do something interesting to be fair I actually don't even think I mean personally the Grizzlies again the, that's why the West is, is so interesting now it's developed so different than what I think a lot of people expected and like when you said three or four teams like at the start it wasn't even the Grizzlies for me you know the Nuggets weren't because of their injuries but like I always thought off they come back they could be and it was I still kind of had the hope for the Jazz that's kind of trailed away as the seasons went on but now like you know, it's becoming a lot more interesting. Well, especially after the Steph Curry injury, which we'll, we'll get onto after this. But first, we're going to talk about the team that you tipped as your dark horse in the last episode, the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks. You must be pretty smug about that. I am feeling pretty smug. So since the All-Star break, they have one of the top three records in the league, one of the best, if not the best, defense in the league since then. Now, is that something that, you know, if you you can't just look at that small sample size, but this is we're coming into the playoffs, and it's like, who's the informed teams? How are they playing? And the Mavs, since that trade that... A lot of people were sort of hemming and hawing over. You were, yeah. I mean, I I didn't like Porzingis with them, and like it's it's not like a mind blowing thing. I just from watching them for the last couple of years, from betting on them in the division, it, he frustrated me a lot, and I could tell the him and Luca never really yeah they get each other. But I mean, replacing him with Dinwiddie, who you know doesn't necessarily move the needle that much. I do like him, and he's he's shown people that you know he fits in well here. I mean. Uh, DeRozan was like the first person with back-to-back game-winning threes over uh, just like over Christmas and New Year, and then Dinwiddie just did the same thing, two yeah. games back-to-back, and it's it's you can tell Luke is so happy that there's someone he can give the ball to and they can score. Yeah, like, there's someone else who can dribble the ball. Yeah, he gets double teamed, and like whereas in the past it was like yeah Dorian Finney Smith or you know it was all shooters or or giving it to like KP for like a fucking mid ranger he kind of post up like a somebody's like six foot one, but. Giving it to Dinwiddie and him hitting game winners and Lucas just delighted, which is great. And do you know what? Great defense, great offense. Talked about them in their last two years going, you know, toe to toe with the Clippers. Clippers against the against the great defense. They've shown Luca can be the isolation scorer, dropping 30, 40 in playoff games. You've now got Brunson who was coming up playing a lot better this year, and he was kind of that you know secondary sort of scorer playmaker, and now Dinwiddie as well. Add that to the defense, and like I don't have a you know why why not then. 
Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Luca for a second. The big three in the MVP race, obviously, is Joel Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic in whatever order. Yeah. Since Luca came back from his COVID and his injuries around, I think it was like late December, maybe, he has looked every bit a top-level player in the NBA. I don't see why you can't have him in the same tier as those three. Fair enough, for the MVP discussion, it's about the whole season, and Luca did turn up fat and you know yeah. lazy. The first month or two months wasn't great, but since then, I don't see how you couldn't have Luca in that same tier as them. And in a playoff series, I would want Luca on my team as much as I'd want any of those three guys. Yeah, maybe I push back a wee bit just because, like personally, I do value defense like quite highly in terms of you know like the. the he's two, been better this year. Way. He has been better. I'm not saying you know, and he's 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 big enough that if he starts to come into the season more athletic and if he actually really focuses, like he's still young, like 22. I think he's 22. Yeah. Yeah. If he if that area improves, there's no reason to think that that area can't improve. You know, and literally just because of his size and his intelligence. You know, he's smart enough, and he's got all these great coaches or whatever. So, you know. If that comes on, and like this is the thing though, he's the fucking favorite or second favorite for the MVP in the last like two years. So he was the favorite this year. So you're never gonna get good value on him, which is the sad thing. But again, like I, I get that he's up there, but I, I still have him personally in a like maybe a tier of his own, just below those those three, you know, the three big lads, because they, all three of them to be honest, do it in both ends. Giannis, I think, is the best defender of the three, and uh, but Jokic, like defensive the advanced me- stats, love yeah, Jokic advanced defensive metrics defense, being yeah. what they are. Uh, he looks great on them and you know from the eye test too like game win- game saving blocks uh, you know he's yeah. a great defender well we'll talk Luca in the MVP discussion later when we get on to awards but I think he's been playing at that level where other teams will be fucking terrified of him in the playoffs and seeding wise with Steph Curry's injury it does give the Mavs a chance to move up so the Mavs are four games behind Golden State and Golden State have one of the hardest schedules remaining in the league so there's every chance the Warriors could drop to the 4-5 seed, giving the the Mavs a chance to move up to 3. Yeah, I mean, with yeah, definitely with that, with that injury. Like, I mean, they're four wins ahead of Utah at the minute. And, uh, well, Utah and Dallas, actually, and only and five ahead of Denver. So, do you know, yeah, why not? And we know the Warriors will struggle without Steph Curry. Yeah. The basketball gods, for some reason, decided that we were only allowed to watch, I don't know, was it one game of the big three? Yeah. Yeah, one game. And it was against the fucking Wizards. They just keep coming back and the other one just gets injured. It's like yeah, this... I think it was... They played together for something like 28 minutes or something over those two games. Because yeah. Draymond Green obviously didn't start yeah. the game. He's his Because of his injury, he's getting his load managed on the way back in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just such a fucking shame that we waited a thousand days to see the big three back. And they lasted, what, like three days? Yeah. And Steph Curry's injury... The spin they put on it was positive, but the fact that they said he wasn't going to be back, it was indefinite and he won't be back until the playoffs is really worrying. Yeah, sprained ligament. Yeah, I think the Warriors could be in big trouble. And I picked them as my out, my outright pick two episodes ago. And yeah, if I could take that back, I would. Because it's just, I know, remember in 2017, 2018, there was always an injury. It was Curry, then it was Durant. But we knew he'd be back for the playoffs and you were always very confident that they would still go on to win. Right now, I wouldn't be because their seeding is they're going to drop. They're going to lose home court most likely, mm-hmm. which is an issue. And I, yeah, once again, I worry that he will actually be back in time for the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's one of those sad things. Like I've heard people reference the the big three nets that have just been broke up of Harden, Kyrie, and KD is like one of the biggest what if teams ever. And like I do agree with that, but like 
as much as the Warriors aren't a what-if team because we've seen it, the last three years will have been what-if because, like, you know, what if they weren't plagued by the fucking injuries they have been? Like, there's every reason to think they would have just went on and dominated because any time the three have managed to play together, they've been unbelievable. Like, look at their defence, even without Clay for the first know, 30 games yeah, yeah like they oh it's a, it, do you know what as a and as a fan like i became a warriors fan because we just kept betting on them over the last few years but it is disappointing and it's like i just remember the amount of playoff games just watching the, the big three and then the big four when they had kd just go to work was unbelievable so it, it is it's it's sad that we'll miss that an even bigger what if is what if kd stayed with the warriors there's a world in which the warriors won seven titles in a row 100 percent. i mean who would have been shorter than them in any of those seasons no one no one they would, it, just, it would have been again if the Suns followed the same progression it would be them the Suns in the box and like realistically like I wouldn't I'd have them as a favourite over the wall yeah that's my biggest what if, if KD wasn't so soft and just yeah. he could have won countless finals MVPs but yeah do you think I suppose I wouldn't ask all done and it's too much a question but like the whole thing was KD wanted to go and do it himself and go and make his own team like do you see a world in which KD never wins a championship again? Hmm. No. I think the Nets are really good. Yeah. I think KD and Kyrie together, even without Ben Simmons, look really good. And when it comes down to the playoffs, that's the type of offense that you can't stop no matter no matter what. And then throw Ben Simmons into the mix, who I actually do like as a player. You know, I think his, his game suits KD and Kyrie's. I think the Nets should be well up there in terms of favourites. I really rate them. It's just annoying with the injuries and the and the mandates and all the issues. Yeah, it's, it's not like actual basketball we're talking we're talking fucking politics and like yeah. laws and rules and all that all that nonsense. So yeah, if, if you could guarantee health and change the law mm-hmm. and Kyrie could play every game and Simmons was back, uh, yeah, I think the Nets the Nets have ever the, as good a chance as anyone. The annoying thing is the bookies also know that. So the Nets are still the favourites yeah. in the East, even though they might make the second uh, game of the play-in. You know, yeah. they could, like they might they could be one game away from elimination before the playoffs even start, and they're still the favourites. Which it's crazy. Yeah, so I don't think there's any value in them. But no. you know, if I'm just picking who I think are the favourites, yeah, they should be up there with Milwaukee for me in the East. Yeah, hundred percent. Are we ready to have a funeral for the Lakers? Oh, fucking right we are I like the biggest pleasure from seeing suffering in another like person or team is just this ongoing clusterfuck that is the LA Lakers like they are the most tragic team and wanted to bet on them to miss the playoffs again couldn't get out like I did you did yeah I just didn't have the account at the time 6-1 to one. what like they are Tragic. It's the best word I can think to describe them. Watching their highlights is they're they're the most must watch NBA team now. Like every day I wake up and I'm looking through the highlights. Well, the first thing you always see is the Lakers highlights because everyone's just laughing at them. But like watching LeBron just not not only not get back on defense, not get up on offense. He's just walking about the court slabbering everyone because they can't rebound. Watching Westbrook just airball shot after shot. Like the man has the full blown yips. Like yeah, he's, I, he's, I, don't, I don't know what's funnier, Westbrook's game at the minute or the fact he's letting fans bully him by calling him Westbrook and then he responds every oh. time did you see the video yesterday some fan now to be fair the Westbrook this fan was a bit of a give because he was saying Westbrook Westbrook and then when Westbrook went over to him he started saying Westbrook yeah I was saying Westbrook like, <laughs> fucking commit to it I missed that yeah, oh no it was funny but like commit to it don't, don't piss you out but yeah yeah. I mean, like, something he's going to hit you like yeah but like don't respond to the fans like that because then everybody's going to fucking do it. How have these people not learned this? Like, you know, you'd think with the amount of time stuff like this happens to athletes, they'd realise, like, don't come out and say shit like that because you're going to get tortured. Yeah, yeah, you have to own it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
like if I was a like pro sports person, I'd be like, oh yeah, fucking big head on me, like whatever. Because you know, you just get the great, like you know what's coming to you because you've heard it your whole life. He should come out to the next game dressed as a bricky. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Get the hard hat on. Like, yeah, at least own it. Yeah, yeah. it would work. Hundred percent. I mean, it would be better than what he's doing now because he's just you can tell like honestly you can like seeing a man like go through something live on TV is kind of like hard to watch at, at points. But like it is hard to be fair to him. He has that again pro athlete mentality where he's like, oh, it's just a slump. I'll shoot through it. But it's like it's it's not just a slump. Like he's missing these shots. I was hearing a couple of uh, Oklahoma Thunder fans talking about it, and they were saying like he used to hit those bank shots. You know those pull up bank shots. Like a decent enough clip. Like he he's never been an elite shooter. I wouldn't say. But at one point he was a, a decent shooter. Like, yeah, I mean he won fucking MVP. Yeah, I mean he was, yeah, he was a fucking MVP, right? And uh, and that was for the triple doubles and stuff. But like he now is just throwing up these shots that like. It looks like me hitting a golf shot. Like, it's just, like, a, he hits, like, slices and, and, like, hooks. It's, like, the weirdest thing to watch. Have you seen that movie where... I can't remember the actor. Oh, it's the actor that died of the heroin overdose. What do you call him? Hoffman? Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yeah. What's that movie where he's playing basketball and he's shooting... Oh, uh... And he's, yeah, it's the Adam Sandler one. Yeah. And, uh... And he, like, just... Raindrop. Yeah, and he just a complete brick against it. That's what, honestly what it looks like. He hammers the backboard, hammers the corner of the backboard. Yeah. And then uh, have you seen LeBron's face when he watches Westbrook taking these shots? Is like, it just sinks and he's like, what is going on here? It's... And the, the, the funniest thing about that too is it's like, it's a crisis of his own making. Like, LeBron... You think for everyone... Everyone bigs up LeBron for his basketball mind, and he obviously does have one. But like, how can you be that clever and that's one of basketball and not realize that that was a terrible decision? Well, the GM is, as it turns out, not a very good GM. No. They could have signed Demar Derozan. Mm-hmm. The news broke while you were on holiday. They, they fucked up the chance to sign Demar Derozan, who they could have had instead of Russell Westbrook. How perfect would he have been? Oh my God, it's exactly what they need. Could you imagine LeBron Derozan and somehow AD stayed healthy? Yeah, that has the makings of a pretty decent team. A hundred percent, and like, don't get me wrong, Darun's not not a great defender by any means, but you know, like, I mean, neither's Westbrook. Yeah, defense isn't the issue here. No, and, well, it is, but it's not as much of an issue as Westbrook is shooting you out of games. Oh, like he's shooting something like eleven percent from. Three. I don't even know why he plays anymore. Honestly, it's yeah. Like I mean, Vogel, like a couple of months ago, he was like, you know, bring him off the bench, and he started the bench him at the end of games. And, and Westbrook got really vocal about it, and then LeBron comes out with his like passive aggressive comments and all this, and it's like, it's like watching like a, like a secondary school drama, you know, like where they're like the main characters like won't talk to each other, but they used to be friends. Oh, it's yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant and tragic at the same time. Yeah, but we're definitely ready to have the funeral. Oh, no, hundred percent. Annoying thing is they're gonna make the play in, in in the West, which kind of shows the the flaw in the play in for me, because the Timberwolves are in seventh, which is obviously the top playing position yep. and they are 13 wins ahead of the Pelicans who are in 10th which is the bottom Yeah, Do you know is it fair that a team can have that many more wins and be two games away from elimination well no but the counter argument is well, then just fucking beat them Do you know when, yeah, when you come yeah. to play them if they're that shit if you're 13 games ahead of them then you, need, you, should, you should be able to beat them pretty handy yeah true well the chance is I don't think the Lakers are going to drop out of the play-in unless which wouldn't surprise me by the way LeBron comes out and shuts down the season with uh, a, like a knee injury Yeah, he's done that before I think he knows they're going nowhere fast, but I stay. I, I do think that they probably will finish, probably tenth. I think the Pelicans will pip them to the ninth, so the Pelicans will be home in that game. So the yeah. Lakers will have to win that game away to New Orleans to get into the playoffs, which and I don't think they have a hope in. Pelicans are only one, yeah, one win behind at the minute. So yeah, so I think I think I checked the odds yesterday. The Lakers to miss the playoffs was four to one on. So that's the yeah. bookies probably predicting that they'll get to the play and have no hope of winning. Yeah. 
Um, finally, just to wrap up the the West. I mean, I know we didn't really touch on Utah, but I don't really want to talk about Utah. Uh, but it's more Memphis. Do you know we've been massive on Ja this whole year, hearing a lot of chatter about Triple J as a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. I know Bill Simmons says he'd vote for him if you know he voted right now. And like, what when you think of the Grizzlies, like in all honesty, as like a gambler, as a fan, as a you know just someone who pays attention to the league, what what's their ceiling? Is it championship winner? I don't think so. I, don't, I still don't think they're good enough to win the title. But Western I, Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they're they're still quite a young team, and I, I usually hate when people say, "Oh, they're a young team, and this is the year where they they get their experience and all that crap." But if you're if you're fucking good enough, you're old enough. You know what I'm saying? True. But, but I I I don't think they're good enough. Is is the, the point I'm trying to make? I think they're they're good and they've got a star and Jamarant, but I still I just there's something missing. They've got that star, they've got shooting around them, they've got a great defence, you know, a good coach, I mean, to get them into the two seed in the West, do you know, like, wh- wh- why not? Well, before Steph Curry's injury, I would have obviously took the Warriors in a, in a series, even if the Grizzlies had home court, but again, it's, it's hard to say now, because we don't know when Steph will be back, and I think it could end up being that it's an injury that will affect the playoffs, but chances are, well, it could actually be a first round series, Um, well, maybe not, because the Warriors won't drop that much, but yeah, it's looking like... The, the Grizzlies, I'd, I'd be pretty confident at saying they're going to come second. They're obviously not going to come first, and they're not going to fall below the Warriors. And the Jazz, the Grizzlies are five games ahead of the Jazz, so it's yeah. almost nailed on that the Grizzlies are going to come second. And so, as second, they're going to like their first round is the winner of the Wolves Clippers, so they're going to take whoever that is. I think if everything no, stays the same, now the Clippers could get Kawhi and Paul George back. True. What? What has there been any update on that? Since yeah, there's there's been talk abroad. I heard that Kawhi. And I think this was Skip Bayless said this, so I don't know if it's 100% true. Uh, to be fair, he, he sometimes gets things right. Well, there is talk that Kawhi is playing 5-on-5 five five at the minute. Really? Obviously, with Kawhi Leonard, it's information about him is usually really tight and hard to come by. His camp yeah. doesn't really leak much, but the, the rumours are Kawhi is playing 5-on-5. Five five. Paul George... He's I, the Linfield of the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually know much about Paul George. I know it was his elbow was the issue, mm-hmm. but the talk was last month that he might make it back for the playoffs no to be fair though the one of the more recent news I heard was that he it was something to do with like he's starting to shoot with his like dominant hand or like that hand again that doesn't sound good yeah like I mean if you're if you're just beginning to be able to shoot the ball with that hand and we're three weeks out from the playoffs like nah I don't I don't see it okay but if the Grizzlies draw the Clippers say yeah and Kawhi comes back do you make the Grizzlies favourites in that series that's a great question. I would, do you know what? Either slight or a, a coin toss. I like Kawhi's that good, but he's coming off an injury, and the man has had a few injuries, and he's like, you know, he's got miles on his body. Like coaching wise, you got to give the advantage to the Clippers. I think Ty Lue might be the best coach in the West. Monty disrespect. No, yeah, I think Ty Lue's, I think Ty Lue's better, and the Clippers have that. Like I said earlier. They're an experienced team versus the youth versus you know. That, do you know what it would be a great? It's almost a, there's a bit of a comparison there too. The Clippers versus the Mavs the last couple of years. Do you know you, the comparison would be Luca to Ja as the young sort of like ball dominant scorer. They're different players, but I see the Grizzlies as a more still. Even though I love the Mavs and you know I was hyping them up. Oh, this Grizzlies team's better. They are better and they were better than I think. I think mm, if I had to pick Luca or Ja, I'd pick Luca, but rest of the team you know in a in a seven game series against the Clippers like yeah yeah I, I would I would do you know what if I was doing a, an accumulator of all the you know first rounders I'd pick the Grizzlies yeah well I think this Grizzlies team is definitely but be- I, I agree I would pick Luke over Jab but this Grizzlies team is better than any Mavericks team that's been in the playoffs in the last two years yeah 
yeah, I mean they're the two seed. Yeah, you know, they're they're really really good. Yeah, and yeah, I, I don't know. Their 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 net rating's plus five point three, which is good, but you know it's the worst net rating of the top four teams in the West. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe that does show that they've got a you know they've won a couple of close games. Now that said, they're behind the Jazz, who in terms of net rating, who's plus six point three, and I think I would take the Grizzlies over the Jazz in the playoffs. Yeah, just uh, like the. You, until the Jazz show me otherwise, I'm not betting on them anymore. I mean, I've got, you know, they are the pallbearers. Like, they've let me, let me down fucking the last three years in a row, and I don't know why I just kept betting on them, and this year I'm just out on them. Yeah, so, so it, it looks like coming second will be big for the Grizzlies in terms of seeding. Yeah. Because, like we said, they'll play either the Timberwolves, who are even less experienced than them, or the Clippers, who might not have their two best players in, in back in time for the first round. Yeah. So, because I bring that up because I want to highlight the Nuggets, who are sixth. And you do not want to draw the Nuggets. Firstly, because Jokic is probably the best player in the league. And secondly, because Michael Porter Jr. and... Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray will probably be back for the playoffs. Yeah, Jamal Murray's playing G League games. Yeah, uh, so that's a big problem for anyone who draws the, the, the Nuggets. Now, the Nuggets have, from when I looked yesterday, have an easy-ish run-in. So they could climb the standings. I don't know if they could catch the Warriors. They're five games back with maybe like 12 it's games. Tight, like, yeah, it's a bit Although, tight. it's Curry injury. Curry injury. No, Andre's just back, so he's not going to be playing that much. Yeah, so it'll be tight now. The West is actually bunching up quite a bit between the three and the seven. You know, the the, the T-Wolves are only one win off the Nuggets. So between between the three seed, and well, more so the four seed and the seven seed, there's two wins. Yeah. Which is big, big because the seven seed obviously ends up in the play-in. I think a lot, a lot will change by the time it comes to you know the end, and then again you start to get to that period, which actually, on as an aside, can be good for betting in the running or at the end of the season. You know, teams will start to rest players once they get their seeding finalized. Like, you know, if you keep up to date, you know, if you're on Twitter and you follow some of the beat writers and you get injury news pretty quick, there can be some great bets in team in terms of you know teams down the bottom playing. Obviously, the, like if you've tanked and stuff, you're you know you're going to be a fucking heavy uh, underdog. But, you know, there there has been times in the past where we've had some pretty good bets in the last couple of weeks of the season, so something to look out for. Yeah, definitely. Let's just touch on awards as our last NBA topic. The MVP race, since we last spoke, the interesting thing here is Giannis, I think, has probably played the best out of the three. Realistically speaking, the award is between the big three. Yeah. We all know who they are. Since we last spoke, Giannis, I think, has actually played the best and has had some big wins, but he's drifted out to nine to one. Joel Embiid has shortened into two to one on in some places. Jokic yeah. has kind of followed Embiid in, so it's Giannis has drifted. The other two have shortened, which, as a value gambler, I don't understand. And in, in terms of if the if the voters all thought like me, yeah, but they don't because the MB, the MVP award isn't so much who actually who was the best player and the best team or who had the best season. It's all about narrative, mm-hmm. and Giannis sadly doesn't have as good a narrative Embiid simply because he has won the award twice yeah and Embiid and, has never won it and with like seeding mattering less and less it's you know the fact that they have the best record well yeah the Bucks have two more wins than the Sixers yeah and they'll probably see that even though they do have a, a tough schedule I mean you know they're probably gonna like I said the big three are back they're, and they just got Brooke Lopez back yeah that so, hasn't mattered so far they keep winning yeah they you know so I think yeah I mean you know if, if the narrative thing wasn't a thing then yeah I think Giannis would be value if you asked me today but just because we know how the voters vote and the fact of the matter is you only really hear, you know, you hear the occasional sort of hipster voter being like, you know, yeah, why not Giannis? But like when, when push comes to shove, they're going to be picking between Embiid and Jokic. And this is where you start to get, you need to pay attention to what people are saying. And I, you know, I still think, I still think Jokic is, 
he would be my pick. So, you know, I just think that he better starts in the beat. We've went over it all before, but like the fact of the matter was they played the other night and the Nuggets won and Embiid shortened. Yeah, well, Embiid did have a better game than Jokic in yeah, terms of the Yeah, but I mean, stats. it wasn't. But the Nuggets won the fucking game in Philadelphia without their second and third best player. Yeah. And in the fourth quarter, they had Aaron Gordon benched because Jermichael Green was hitting shots and playing better. And they had Bones Highland, a rookie, hitting four threes yeah. in the fourth quarter. Like, they went into Philadelphia and pissed on them. And Embiid fucking shortened. I just don't. I don't understand. Sometimes the the bookies. Yeah, I mean, well, to be fair, they're like, we, it's not really a complaint because it can be good for us. Because you know, again, if you're picking someone right now, if you're going to bet at those odds, I'm picking you good all day. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Embiid isn't value at all. Even no. though I think he will probably win. Like, Do you? But yeah, just because of the stupid narrative thing. Because for some reason he's a well, like he's had such a good season. I don't think he's had as good a season as Jokic in any way. Like the Nuggets are one win. No, sorry, they have the exact same amount of wins as Philly with all their injuries. Yeah, and and uh, Embiid getting hardened now. Like the, the the theory is always when you have better players around your team and it dilutes your chances of winning the MVP. Although it hasn't really affected Giannis as much, but because the two his two other, even though they're both at, you know, in their own right all-stars at times, they're not like star stars, you know, like James Harden. Do you know, level stars. So, like, now that Embiid has got someone else, one of the top 10 he players won MVP. in the league. Yeah, a previous MVP winner. Like, that surely has to play into the fact that, like, voters go, oh, well, now he's got this. I know that's only for the last four or five weeks of the season. That's 20 games, to be fair, quarter yeah, of the season. I mean, that's, yeah, so, the, the trade deadline. Yeah, so I, I do think it's interesting. Um, And again, if it was the bet now, if I didn't have any money, any skin in the game, I'd bet Jokic. And yeah, I'd probably, do you know, maybe even hedge it with Giannis at 10s. Yeah, I think, yeah, like I said earlier, Giannis, I think, is value. And just, again, on the, the narrative thing, like, if I was a voter, I understand someone voting for Embiid in terms of, yeah, he's had a great season, he's had an MVP-level season, but I just don't understand the argument of Embiid over Jokic. No. They have the same amount of wins, Jokic has had a much worse team all season, and Jokic has better stats. Yeah. You know, I just don't understand it. No. Let's quickly touch on Defensive Player of the Year because there's maybe been even more movement in this market than there has been in the MVP. And very strange. Yeah. Bam Adebayo has moved into favourite. Is he quite odds? Is he odds on yet? No, 2.1. 2.1, so he's just over evens for Defensive Player of the Year. I don't understand. I've had a fucking nightmare in this market this year. Draymond Green at 17-1 to 1 isn't going to win even though it went odds on. I backed Rudy Gobert because he is the best defensive player in the league outside of Draymond Green. And he went odds on, went into... One, two to one on and yeah. now he's back out the second favourite yeah 2.5 because the Jazz have lost a couple of games and because the Jazz lost a couple of games and because someone in the fucking the tubes and the internet just decided that Bam should should shorten and like the fact of the matter is we've been scratching our heads about it because yeah Bam's a good defender like he's a great you know sort of can defend all over one to five like and all this but he plays on a great defensive team he's surrounded by great defenders he is not like compare them to the Jazz Rudy Gobert is the single fucking reason why the Jazz are and have been one of the best defenses and I don't even want to get into the whole playoff thing because it's just it's such a stupid narrative it's relevant for defensive and not only that it's not it's not right it's not his fault that his fucking guards can't stop people in the perimeter but like bam there is no statistical or eye test reason that I think of that I would put bam I would bet on bam ahead of Gobert or Giannis. Like, I, some people sort of hit back on this one. I think Giannis is a better defender. I, 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 you just said you think Gobert is the best defensive player in the league. Do you know if you're not counting Draymond and his sort of... He, Draymond's different from everyone else. But 
I think Giannis is. I I I fucking love Giannis as a defender. Like you know, I I pick him. I mean, I think that's fair as well. But the the Bam argument to play devil's advocate is that he defends one through five. He's so versatile, and I mean, it's true. He is good, and the on-off numbers are good for Bam in terms of you know the Heat's defense when he's on mm-hmm. their defensive uh, rating. I think is one hundred and two, and when he's off, it's one hundred and eleven. So that's a defensive. No, maybe, yeah. maybe it's one hundred and four and one hundred and eleven. But either way, the the defensive net rating changes by about six points when Bam's on and off. Yeah, which is big. Which is big, and it's it's good now. The highest on off is Rudy Gobert, Gobert and yeah. Draymond Green. They've got higher on offs than Bam. So in terms of like I know like we we always say this, but defensive advanced stats are a bit tricky. But generally, you can look at things like on off numbers are quite reasonable for. Well, they are reasonable until you look at some of them and they have like Derek White as the third best defender in the league. It's yeah. just it's a bit it's a bit funny. Or Jokic actually he's always up there. In yeah, the they're a bit funny, but just when you look at when Rudy Gobert plays for the Jazz, or yeah, when Rudy Gobert plays for the Jazz, they have one of the best defenses in the league, and when he doesn't play for the Jazz, they have the worst. Yeah, the you know, worst. Like it's such a big gap between. Like that's such an easy, easy and obvious. Like everyone can see that. Yeah, it's such a big gap in ability between. Goberbian on and Goberbian off, mm-hmm. and I think the reason people, the reason Bam has become a, a flashy pick is hipster pick. He's it's a, a hipster, hipster pick, pick yeah, like... because people get bored of Gober. Yeah, because you, it it happens with everything. It's the same reason people are bored of Giannis trying to win MVP. Like Giannis deserves MVP over Embiid, I think, but he's fucking nine to one. Yeah, same reason Rudy Gobert is drifting because he's boring, and also because of the fact that half the voters are fucking idiots too. Yeah, most of the voters don't have a clue. Like Bill Simmons said, he's going to vote for Jaron Jackson Jr. Just because he's leading the league in blocks, yeah, but that, like that doesn't show that you're the best defensive player in the league. No, and like, do you know, to be fair, like the eye test backs JJJ up, like you know, and and I think his thing, the thing that probably stands out too, is the leap he's made. It just seems like out of nowhere, he's just became this like incredible defender, and he is. But do you know, you're like looking at it, and you're talking about like why not Robert Williams? Like do you know, like the Celtics' best defense in the league. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, you know he's like their defensive anchor, or Marcus Smart is the sort of other like like the, the two anchors I suppose of their of their uh, defense. But at the same time, like why why would that dilute? You know, Robert Williams and Marcus Smart both being great defenders, sort of in people's minds, probably nah. You, you, the other one yeah, out. well, fucking the Heat have Jimmy Butler, have Kyle Lowry, like they're both fucking definitely been all defensive teams. Like, do you know what I mean? PJ Tucker, PJ Tucker, yeah, yeah the, 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 the only man in the league who people fucking think can at some point guard KD. Yeah, well, here, here's my counter argument to Bam. If you look at Mikael Bridges at the Suns, the Suns are a better defensive team than the Heat. Yeah, right. Mikael Bridges probably their best defensive player. He's got the most yeah, he plotted this year yeah, from the Suns. Yeah, he just is. So take the best defensive player of the two teams, Bam versus Bridges. Bam's uh, Bridges' team is better defensively by mm-hmm. like three points a game. You know the Suns are the th- I think third best defense in the league. The Heat are like the the seventh. Yeah. You know I just don't like we said earlier. Bam is just a hipster pick. All of a sudden people have decided that yeah it's his turn to win it. I just don't I don't I just don't fucking understand it. Yeah. I like I, do you know what? I'd seen a couple of people picking him, do you know, on Twitter and stuff, guys that we rate and picking him and to be fair to them, I got him like a hundred to one. Yeah, if if he was a hundred to one and I heard some of the people sort of mention him on podcast, yeah, it's like great value and stuff. But I almost think there's a bit of a because people bet him from a hundred to one and his odds cre- like crashed in and cratered in right around the time that uh, Draymond got injured right around the time that people like you know the Jazz maybe haven't been performing as well or or whatever. I think it was like this perfect storm where like his odds coming in and people just oh fuck Bam, do you know what? You know Bam's probably gonna win it, but like and maybe because the Heat are the one seed, but that doesn't mean you know your defense is your defense. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think I think there's definitely a bit of 
trying to congratulate the Heat for getting the one seed by giving Bam Defensive Player of the Year. Well, they should congratulate them by awarding Spoke Coach exactly. of the Year. Exactly, Spoke should be getting Coach of the Year for that. A hundred percent. It's definitely a congratulations on a good season Miami Heat award. Yeah, 100%. Versus actually being the best defensive player in the league. So, coming off that point. I have it, some advice. Okay. Do you want to give the advice? I feel like your advice might be the same as mine. But go ahead. Wait until the end of the season. Yeah. Because we'll have such a better idea of who's going to win it towards the end of the season. We will maybe do an episode, do a bit of an episode on that. I think so. I don't want to give away any secrets yet. No. I might not even give away secrets at the time. Yeah. Maybe I will. I don't know. You'll have to tune in in three or four weeks to find out. But the advice is, hold fire now. If you're going to back anything, don't back it yet. Hold fire. <laughs> yeah, just hold fire. There's, yeah, just don't gamble. Like, yeah. it's fucking no, not there, hard. There's, there's something coming. Yeah. But for now, yeah, Bam should yeah. be favourite. Okay, well, yeah, I think that's kind of a good summary of where we're at. You know, what we've, what we've sort of missed the last two weeks while I was away. And it's getting into squeaky bomb time now for, you know, there's people to watch the seeding. It's going to be interesting to start to watch people solidify. You know, they are the one seed, they are the two seed. Start to see what the first rounds are going to be, what the plans are going to be. So it's like a really exciting time to be a fan. The daylight saving time moves in America is great because we get to watch matches a wee bit earlier. Yeah, four um, hour time difference is great. Yeah, from the East Coast, which is uh, good for us. But because sometimes it's a fucking nightmare trying to watch NBA. But yeah, I'm excited for the next few weeks. Yeah, same. I think there's three weeks left in the season, four weeks left in the season, and then there's a week of play-in games, and then the playoffs start in the middle of April. So. Here's a question for anyone that is betting on the awards. The awards is a bit of a nightmare in terms of when they announce and, and to know that sort of thing, because it's changed a few times. Yeah, this year it'll be in the first round of the playoffs. They are going to do yeah, it? They've, yeah. they've announced that? Yeah. Okay, because I had this sneaky worry that it was going to be the post-playoff no, no. awards show, which was the biggest fucking ball. Biggest load of shite, but it's, it's during the, the first, second round. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay, and now that we're done talking NBA for the day, I think it's time we uh, we dig into the big one, the juicy one. I've been waiting for this story. Ronan McGarry versus Eaton Gate Gaming Limited, claim number one zero five MC eight four seven, Liverpool County Court. You yeah. So yeah, this is an interesting one because not a lot of people know that this happened. Firstly, I kind of kept it quite quiet, but not a lot of people would know in like generally speaking, just how big scumbags bookies can be. And sometimes bookies can basically steal money from you yeah. by withholding winnings from certain bets or whatever. And in this case, that happened to me. And normally when this sort of thing happens, there's like an adjudicator you can go to who you'll send your side of the story. They'll listen to the bookie side of the story. They'll come back to you in eight weeks with a decision. And generally speaking, you'll if, if you were in the right you'll get paid out. Yeah, and there's depends. There's a couple of adjudicators, one of them bought and paid for, but uh, the main one... Uh, yeah, so there's an adjudicator called IBAS who are generally quite decent. Not yeah. decent, but they're okay. I mean, they can, yeah, they can land on yeah. your side. And then there's a, an adjudicator called ECOGRA who are literally bought and paid for, like you said, by the bookies. Oh, 100%. I don't think they've ever made a decision ruling in favour of, of a punter over a yeah. bookie. So in this case, they actually ruled against this side of the bet. It wasn't my personal bet that they ruled against because at the time of speaking, we ran a... Well, I ran a, a betting group on Facebook where, you know, people paid for the advice and I think there was maybe like 80 people in the group. 100, and, yeah. Well, yeah, 100, 80 to 100 people in the group. There was a lot of us on it and someone took this case in particular up with ECOGRA and yeah. they lost, which was then funny because I then took it to court and I won. Do you know, so what does that tell you? Do you know, if a, if a fucking judge is telling you that you're, you deserve to win this versus some stupid adjudicator the, telling The betting you, adjudication service. The betting service. adjudication service telling you, yeah. But anyway, so... If you don't have any luck with a betting adjudication service, sometimes you do have to take bookies to court to get your money. 
and this happened in this case so the story begins in december 2018 the fa cup i think it was a second round match maybe a first round match actually it might have even been a preliminary round match between aldershot town who at the time of speaking were in league two and Bedford Town, who were in like the seventh tier. I yeah. don't even know. The National League fucking... There's at least like four... Yeah, it was like seventh or eighth tier. And so obviously you would expect Aldershot to win. The match was in Bedford. And Aldershot were pretty heavy favourites, as you'd expect. And But the problem was they were going through a bit of an injury crisis. And, and they were struggling in the league. They were struggling in the league. They wanted to focus on the league. At that time of the year, in the lower leagues, you know, you're playing matches every Saturday, every Wednesday. So their coach came out and said, and the BBC reported that he was going to send his youth team to play the FA Cup match. They didn't want to win the FA Cup match. They wanted to focus on the league. They wanted to avoid more injuries. So He literally came out and told the fans not to go. He was like, yeah. I don't come and watch this match. We're going to play the kids. It's going to be a shit show. Yeah, so this news came out at four o'clock on the Tuesday. And we seen the news and thought, fuck, let's back Bedford. They're going to be playing against a kids team. So chances are they're going to win. Yeah, no matter what, even if there's a few division difference, it are like one of our sort of fallbacks is always men are better than kids. Men versus boys. Men so, versus boys, yeah. the men win. No, yeah, like you said, no matter the, the difference. So we backed Bedford, loads of different bets. Bedford to win, Bedford minus one, Bedford minus two, Bedford minus three, Bedford to win to nil. Oh, to win to nil, to win Bedford each half, to win full-time. both halves. Bedford on over 4.5, 5.5, 6.5 was like Yeah, which was obviously big odds. I think Bedford to win the game was three to one or four to one by the time we got on. Yeah. So Bedford minus one was like six, seven to one, minus two was like 10 to one, minus and three was like 16 to one. And not only that, but this one of the fun little quirks of uh, the bookie quiff that we were betting with uh, their whole unique selling point that they never fuck up about is that your book your bets can get quiffed where they supercharge your odds or boost your odds it, like randomly so uh so it was pretty good when you were when you were smacking these bets and uh you just got the little notification and it played a little tune on your phone and it vibrated and it was like congratulations your odds been boosted from 15 to 1 to 30 to 1 and you're like yeah. okay great i had quite a few bets quiffed but yeah, yeah i haven't even said who the uh, put my bets on with I put my bets on with quite a few bookies so I had bets on with Marathon bet a bookie called Risk who I don't think exists anymore um, yeah. a couple more a couple more and then Quiff had, took the majority of my bets it was I'd used Quiff for quite a while and I had the, there were, the limits on the app were quite good because yeah. I could get quite a bit quite a bit of money on um, yeah it's actually it was a handy bookie to have yeah it was a good bookie to be fair at the time and yeah so that was on the Tuesday the Tuesday night most of my bets were placed the news came out at about 4 I placed my bets at about 5 and yeah, the match was the following evening. So that next morning, the or that that evening, the odds started to come in everywhere. You know, Bedford were backed in. Bedford only went off at one point seven. Remember? Yeah. So they did come in from four to one to one point seven, which is a big move. But, but it's not like they went off one, ten to one on. Like man, what happened after the match? In hindsight, one point seven was a well, one point seven was massive. Change your life, bet, like- yeah. So. So the next day, the next morning, Bedford were 1.7. Uh, Quiff, the market was still up on Quiff. Um, the bets stood the whole day until kickoff. Yeah, because I was fucking smacking them in the morning too. Yeah, do you know, people were getting more on. I woke up and was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Like, they're still there. Yeah, and I remember I remember signing in for the match and I had been listening to, like, BBC Radio Shropshire or something. <laughs> Where the fuck is Bedford? I know, not Shropshire. Bedfordshire. B- yeah, B- BBC <laughs> Radio sense. Bedfordshire. Listening to the, the the only coverage of the game and... It's obviously quite funny listening to people talk about the the match that you have big bets on. Like, oh, this this Aldershot team looks very young. They must have, you know, and it's like, oh mate, if you only knew the half of it. So Aldershot did end up sending a lot of young players. Yeah. Um, now the key point here is, 
it was still Aldershot Town FC versus Bedford. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Aldershot under 19s versus Bedford. Reserves. Aldershot was, Reserves. No, it was they, they were playing under their senior teams. It was it was younger players playing for the senior team, which happens a lot a lot in football. You yeah. know, just because a team's called Man United doesn't mean they can't play some under 18 players. Yeah. You know, or under 20. Yeah, standard. Players. Standard. So the match starts and I think Bedford go 3-0 up in the first 25 minutes and we're like we're oh doing cartwheels like doing cartwheels in the bedroom this we know we're on a cracker Bedford end up winning the match 7-0 well, yeah. 7-0 wasn't it yeah it was 7-0. 7-0. 7-0. 7-0. 7-0. 7-0. 7-0 so obviously we went up by the way what a fucking what bet what a fucking bet yeah. basically we win all our bets um, everyone's delighted the whole group's up a fortune and then that up evening a yeah, up a cunt yeah and then that evening the voids started coming in yeah, Quiff started to void. I actually bets. tried to they they paid out. So Quiff paid out on the on the win, and you know your accounts are looking healthy. You're like, oh, this is brilliant. And I actually tried to withdraw. That was when, and it was my withdrawal got uh, reversed after a couple of hours. And I think that maybe twigged them. Yeah, yeah. So then Quiff voided all the bets. So this actually ended up fucking them over in court later on because if if they had avoided the bets, they had a twenty four hours to avoid the bets, but they waited till after the result to see how it would have went. You know what I'm saying? So if yeah, they could have uh, once the like the news and stuff had come out, they could have just voided stuff as like a palpable error, right? Yeah. So no, they still would have been wrong. Yeah. And the, they still would have been in the wrong, but they would have looked better doing it had they voided bets before the actual match. Because say Aldershot come out and win, there was no way Quiff were going to void the fucking bets. No. They waited to to see the result of the match before they decided what to do. So anyway, we dive in with all the adjudication stuff. People start hearing back bollocks. Yeah, so this goes on over a couple of weeks. You you know, you email back and forth saying, pay me out. They say no. The, the Quiff's reasoning was that there was an unforeseen error that occurred in which a bets... Technical error. A technical error occurred in which bets were taken that shouldn't have been taken. Mm-hmm. So then, as it, as it turned out, they emailed my brother and said that this error happened between 6 o'clock the night the news came out and then 10 a.m. the next morning, which, as it turns out, all my bets were placed before 6 o'clock. So none of my bets were placed... A- they fucked themselves. They, yeah, after they said that this error happened. So that was their first mistake. So the email back and forth. And then another mis- a mistake I actually made was I, I paid a solicitor to email them for me, thinking it would be a bit more formal and, you know, they, yeah. could, they could maybe put the arm in a bit and, you know, strong arm them. But turned out that was the biggest waste of money in my life. I yeah. spent 1,500 quid on a fucking useless solicitor. Solicitors as well, they can go fuck themselves too. They're just... Crooks and, bastards, they're like. crooks and suits yeah if you're a sign solicitor fair play but my one was a wanker and yeah. stole 1500 quid on me for nothing just to tell me that she couldn't actually take my case in the end and not only that just to, t- to turn around and tell you oh yeah I actually don't know enough about this so I'm going to pay for counsel and like I'm going to charge it to you where she has to go to, essentially just to go and talk to someone who actually knows what the fuck they're doing yeah. and then charge you for the fucking yeah, so pleasure another 600 quid so yeah, yeah, fuck them. yeah I ended up just taking them to small claims court myself but yeah so we email back and forth and it becomes apparent that I'm going nowhere with my solicitor and going nowhere with these emails and the adjudication service isn't going to win. So the only chance you have is to take them to court. Mm-hmm. So I filed court proceedings. Sorry to cut running off for a second, but I met him in this week's episode and he asked me to go back and put something in that he missed. So at this point, when Ronan filed a small claims court case against Quiff, they actually came back to him and offered him a 20% settlement if he signed a NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, and agreed not to talk about it. But he didn't and... You'll see what happens uh, as a result of that. So stick your NDA up your hole. And this is where another area Quiff fucked themselves in. Some fella called Kyle from Quiff, I think he was like operations manager, was in charge of the court back and forth. So when you're filing claim, small claims, you have to file like witness statements and you know responses to each other and all this stuff. 
So this guy Kyle filed everything for them and he signed all the documents. So on the 30th of October 2020, this is how long this took, the match was in December 2018. Yeah, and I distinctly remember us after the match, whenever they voted, and I, we had a conversation and said, when do you think we'll get paid into this? And I remember we all kind of went, mm, two years? Yeah, yeah. So the I have the claim here, it was the 30th of October 2020, but for whatever reason, COVID happened in... Oh no, March. No, March 2020 it was yeah. supposed to be. Sorry, it was supposed to be April 2020, but COVID happened. It was supposed to be in Liverpool. Had my flights booked. Had my hotel booked. Supposed to be in Liverpool, and then got an email from the court because of COVID. It had been delayed. Mm-hmm. Gets delayed till October, and the the case ends up happening on the 30th of October on just on a phone call. Yeah. So it was really fucking nerve wracking. By the way, uh, you were shitting yourself. Yeah, I was shitting myself. So I got well prepared. I had my notes looked over by a solicitor who didn't charge me, just needed to create a beer. Shout out Jim Sheridan. Yeah. And uh, he said, I had a really good case. You know, the, What came down to legally was a bet is a legally binding contract between two parties. And I was holding Quiff in breach of contract because there was no justifiable reason for them to void my bets. You know, I, yeah, uh, the material uh, circumstances in the match didn't change. Their the, their bullshit technical glitch, which uh, and then just to pull it back for one quick second, that adjudication service without actually getting proof because they were supposed to give us proof because I went to them. They said, "Oh no, the bookie said there was a glitch, so there was a glitch." And I was yeah. like, "Did they provide any proof?" And they just didn't re- respond. So yeah, so basically, Quiff's entire argument against me was complete nonsense because I proved that my bets were placed before this error which actually didn't take place by the way yeah, it was but they lie. said an error took place and my bets were placed before they said that error took their place their error was having their pants around their ankles yeah exactly so so then they, they changed their argument and said that my bets were placed as a result of a previously unforeseen error which just is complete fucking nonsense lies like, it's yeah. lies like, this is the so, worst things they get away with it so often yeah well if you don't know what you're doing you could end up getting fucked by you don't shit, have the I fucking guess. money to take people to court like, yeah, you know, exactly. like, I know it costs money to, to, to file these claims and stuff so the, the the court case comes and it's a woman judge which matters later on that'll make sense later on and she doesn't know anything about gambling so she asked me to start off and I fucking ramble through my opening statements thinking she'd like read them and all and she, I, I spoke for maybe like three minutes and she goes okay Mr. McGarry could we try that again and slow down please I talk really fast. <laughs> you were so hot like. I talk really fast anyway but like I knew they were speaking to an English person so you have to slow down anyway but I thought I was speaking slow I had my brother in, our little brother in the room with me and he was like looking at me going like slow slow and I was like fuck I'm but I was so buzzing I had, two, up. I had too many coffees and was jacked up and yeah so I got through my opening bit and then here's here's another bit where Quiff and here Quiff if you're listening you've really fucked it in this one yeah right dicks. so Quiff sent their CEO whose name I can't remember some ball bag and their CFO <laughs> chief financial officer yeah obviously they send the C-suite in they think they're gonna bigwig the you know the fucking wee Irish fella who doesn't have a clue yeah not knowing I was actually a fucking professional gambler make more money than them cunts and <laughs> not knowing that not knowing that they would be going up against a, a woman judge they they took her for a fucking fool yeah like they were interrupting her they were like talking over her they weren't listening to her talking questions down to her. talking down to her and she did not take it well like that is her fucking domain uh, yeah, yeah like she was brilliant she honestly tore them a new fucking arsehole yeah and it was just this i wish i was there for oh my god i wish i recorded it but she told me not to record it because like contempt of court issues. yeah I, I, def- I definitely didn't record it no i actually didn't and but yeah they were so fucking smug thinking that they could just you know walk in with her fucking big titles and just that would win them the case but like she completely turned around on them she called them rude she called them she called them all fucking sorts of names it was yeah. brilliant I didn't I barely had to speak because they just fucking dug themselves a big hole I hope you're listening by the way and so yeah so 
the CEO and the CFO turn up. And like I said earlier, some fella called Kyle was the one who signed all the witness statements. So the whole point of a court case is you both get the, the, the judge gets to look over the two side statements together and then you both get to ask each other questions. That's how a small claim works. So because Kyle wasn't there, their statement couldn't be used in evidence because he wasn't there to back it up. And she was like, well, can you get Kyle on the fucking phone? Like, she was like, are you fucking serious? This is a court of law. Did she use those exact words? No, but she was like, she, she didn't say fucking, but she was really stern. She was like, this is a court of law and you have turned up without a witness. Like, without the, the guy who signed the statement. So yeah, I can't it take, should have been him. She goes, I can't take this statement. She, she turned to me and says, Mr. McGarry, you know, I think, I'm almost certain she, I can't remember 100%, but I think she said, you know, we don't, this doesn't have to continue if you don't want it to because you can't ask them questions. They were allowed to ask me questions about my statement because I was here to defend it, but I wasn't allowed to ask them questions because they didn't because write their Kyle, statement. Because Kyle wasn't there and they ha- these boys weren't the ones who signed the statement. Fucking so they tried to get like... Kyle on the phone, but it turned out he was on holiday. <laughs> so obviously they sent Kyle away because they thought, yeah, the big fucking CEO will walk in and Coco and Bobo, case. like yeah, Coco and Bobo walked in thinking they'd win this case. Yeah. So she did say to me, "Okay, Mister McGarry, I understand that you can't def- you can't ask them any questions. Yeah. So I will hold that against them." Like she okay. didn't say hold it against him. She said, "I'll take that into account." Yeah, know, because it's not fair to me that I can't. Uh, you, I had, you definitely had a few. Lined I up. had plenty of zingers lined up because they had no fucking answers for these things. Yeah. So then the case goes on. They get on to ask me questions. They start asking me like the most stupid. Like I, I don't know how this guy was the CEO. He started asking me about odds checker because I used odds checker as proof of you know that the odds at Quiff offered were the same as the odds at Marathon Betting right? yeah quick so, aside like you know say for example one bookie has a team to win at like 100 to 1 and every other bookie has them at like 2 to 1 or something like you know if they're other if the material circumstances if they're incorrect or that has been the cause of like you know literal error by someone and you know adding an extra zero or stuff like that that is grounds for generally you know, oh, yeah, yeah. probable error, like yeah. you know, and that like that's kind of fair to, to, in some circumstances. Yeah, like the whole the whole point. If you back a ten to one, if someone writes down a hundred to one, when it should be ten to one. Yeah, you don't deserve to get paid on that. No, you no. know that's a, that's an obvious. And lots of people don't understand that. Like yeah. it's, it's called a palpable error. Yeah, you know? in, in bookmaking, it's called a palpable error. It's an obvious error in the odds. Yeah, where someone accidentally types another zero. Yeah, so this that's, wasn't an obvious error. That's why you used odd checker because we were betting at the same times with other bookies that had the same odds. Yeah, but it was just the quiff took more. Yeah, yeah. Quiff had bigger limits yeah. and, you know, I mean, people got big bets on at Marathon and they got paid out right away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the odds. The, the, I'll get to that in a wee second, yeah. but I'll get to the crux of the argument. But for this point, the guy started quizzing me on oddschecker.com or sorry, oddsportal.com saying, how do you know those odds are live? How do you know that they're the real odds? And I was like, mate, look at the fucking screenshot. You can see the minute by minute changes in the odds. How is that not, is that not live enough for you? Like the odds are changing by the minute and you can see it here. And the guy was like, Okay, and I see you've chosen uh, interwetten.com as a, as a bookie. That That's not a UK bookmaker. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's like, it's fucking Austrian. What does it matter? It's still a fucking book. It's a registered bookmaker. A, like yeah. a, you can still fucking bet with him. Yeah. And he was like, no, you're using examples from a non-UK bookmaker. I was like, well, what the fuck does that matter? Yeah. So these two dickheads went on and on and their questions were, were nonsense. They were all very easily answered. And yeah, it went to... No, here's another funny point. In their witness statement, they criticised me for using, for including my selections on Bedford as part of like doubles and triples. Because generally speaking, in in gambling, if you add something into an accumulator, there's bigger limits. Yeah, because there's bigger risk. Because there's bigger risk. Yeah. So I had Bedford doubled with like Celtic to win, Man City to win, that sort of that sort of shit. Mm-hmm. So they had a whole whole uh, paragraph about how this was like seen as like 
you know, fraudulent. Fraudulent. They called it fraudulent. They said this was fraudulent behavior. So what I did was I looked up Quiff advertising for accumulators. Their whole fucking ad. They have advertising campaigns about people betting with accumulators. Yeah. Yet all of a sudden when I do it, it's fraudulent. Yeah. Do you know, like what? How can you fucking win with these guys? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, yeah, that was that was another thing. And yeah, so what it came down to legally. How long did the court case last? Lasted about an hour and a half, and yeah. then the judge took a break for about an hour to go over things and then came back with the and read her final statement. Mm-hmm. But legally what it came down to was, yeah, Quiff were claiming that the odds were an error and they shouldn't have been accepted. But the way it works in the real world is if you're a bookmaker and you're slow to update to change in market conditions, that's your fault. Yeah. You're a, book, you're a bookmaker, your job is to make the books. Your yeah. job is to follow Sorry. the information. Sorry. Sorry if you're slow. But people are gonna fucking make money off you if you're if you're bad at your job. Yeah, that's the game, like that's the game. Do you know that's the way it is. Yeah. Like I said earlier, if I had a bet on this at a thousand to one, and got aired, that's fair enough because it was never a thousand to one bet. But mm-hmm. at the time I placed my bet, four to one was completely fair. Yeah. So another thing that the judge said, she used some cool Latin term called contra preferentum, which means, I think if remember it means like if your terms are like ambiguous or they can or, be, or unfair or unfair they can be held against you yeah so quiff then quoted their terms against me and said they had the right to void any bet and the judge was like that is an unfair term no one has the right to void it said we had the right to void any bet for any reason yeah which is so they, fucking which is nonsense. so like, yeah which i've heard from other gamblers who've gone to court you know the a judge will never stand over that it's they mad that all, they're allowed to have that in their terms yeah, it's stupid it's just to scare people yeah. so the judge says that is a load of bollocks she cannot have that in a in a contract that is no grounds for breaching contract on so she went away for for an hour to think about it it was annoying that I wasn't allowed to ask some questions but I had good answers for all theirs but I, I was coming back at them with like questions about their shitty questions and the judge was like Mr. McGarry Mr. McGarry I'm really sorry you can't ask, ask questions that's mad like, like fuck's sake but I had good answers for all theirs and she went away for yeah 45 minutes to an hour and came back and oh my god like she couldn't have come back more come down more heavily on my side you had a big route oh jesus yeah she was like she called me like a very reliable witness who was very like learned and knowledgeable learned. about the subject and i was like yes learned. i am learned and knowledgeable about the Gentleman. subject she described them too as rude and arrogant and you know and i i almost felt like i actually said that they should have been held in contempt of court because they not because of that they lied in their witness statements but uh, it, it's a whole thing yeah but she called me learned and knowledgeable, called them rude and arrogant, and uh, they aren't even witnesses because they shouldn't yeah, even be. You're just rude and arrogant bystanders. Yeah, like. Rude and arrogant dickheads who thought they would be you know, bigger than everybody. And yeah, she then ruled heavily in my favour and paid me out all the money they owed me plus 8% interest compounded over two years, which was nice. And that buys the milk you are. Yeah, so then I ended up putting a deposit down on a house, so thanks, Cliff. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But that, yeah, and not only that, so you weren't the only one, obviously. So we, everyone else who had bet on this was sort of watching with, you know, keen eyes to be like, right, what way is the judge going to land on it? And I had, like, a lot of us, we had our emails typed out already to Quiff, and it was literally like, I think we waited till you got paid, which she told them it had to take like a week or two. It was two weeks. And they paid sooner than that, as far as I remember. And the moment Ronan was like, yeah, they paid me out emails just got sent off and it was like as per the recent court case uh, in the, <laughs> the, like, the document yeah so it was like uh, what do you call that it's like precedent legal precedent yeah. had been set so like if they pay you out they have to pay us out because you know the the, the things are the same yeah there's so no we went through and 
uh, yeah, we all got paid out as well. And then there's actually, funny enough, still ongoing, still ongoing with these ones because a couple of us didn't get paid out all our money because they held on they, to their argument about the the time of their error. So any bets after that 6pm, they or after a certain amount of time yeah, when they said this error happened. But in the court case, it was found that their fucking error didn't exist. So one a friend of ours from England actually then took them to court as well about those bets that uh, happened in that time period. And was like, you know, you didn't have, you don't have no proof of this error occurring because they don't they made it up, and uh, he got paid out quite recently, and it just reminds me again that I need to fucking email them and uh, yeah, or, still owe you money. Yeah, and the, the the thinking is I'm just gonna have to start a small claims court again, so a court case again. So, do you know who knows? I might have my own story. Yeah, but as I, as I've showed, it's it's very doable to go to court and win, even against you know big companies worth a lot of money. If you're in the right, you're in the right, and yeah. you you will win in the end. It's just yeah, it, don't it be a dick to the judge. Yeah, just be very polite and nice to the judge. Yeah, definitely don't be a dick. And yeah, up yours, Cliff. Yeah, get you, get you really like. You I'm know, heated again. Yeah, and you wanna, you wanna, you know, like all those boys on Twitter who help out like gamblers who get fucked over by yeah. um things. It's like, yeah, that could be a good. Yeah, if anyone ha- ever has a dispute with a bookmaker, DM me on Twitter and I'll help out. Yeah, um, I've got quite a lot of experience dealing with bookies at all all sorts of levels. So yeah, definitely give me a shout on uh, Twitter's the best place. Message the Aftertime account and I'll give you a hand. Yeah. And 20, 2023, hopefully Ryan will get paid out on his cliff. This fucking ongoing five years later saga. Five mad. years later, so we'll do a we'll do a follow up episode whenever you finish yeah, your court whenever case. I get round to fucking. I'll get you prepped for it. Yeah. We we definitely won't record that one. No, that case. No. Oh my god, we could release the tapes as an episode. <laughs> yeah. And you'd end up in jail. Banged up. That'd be great. For It'd be worth it. Of court. It'd be worth it for the content though. Hundred percent. So thanks for listening, guys. Cheers. Uh, we'll be back next next week with another episode. Hope you enjoyed the. the NBA content and I hope you enjoyed the story if you have any questions about the story or anything like that like I said leave me a a DM or give us a shout out on Twitter yeah right cheers yeah see you next week bye